0: UCLA Bruins and Chip Kelly are struggling on the recruiting trail. But in the age of the transfer portal, is that that much of a problem? Let's go. Our Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome everyone to another episode of Lockdown Pack 12 I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Conference of Champions. Like, comment, subscribe, wherever you are listening to or watching the show. Thanks to everybody out there who has done so already. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet. Online. Bet Online has covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, where the game starts. And I am joined today by John Garcia, Jr., the director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated. And I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official recruiting sponsor across the On Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Lockdown College. Terms and conditions apply. John, my man, it is
1: great to have you back on the show. Good to be on with you, Spencer. Uh, almost that time. We're, we're, we're right there, so it's a right hard right time to we're talk actually, as it, this, any level.
0: As we record this episode, we're a week away from having a college football game in the Pac-12 when Arizona State takes on NAU, and what we're all praying is going to be a win. And as it drops on Friday the 26th, we are just over a week away from our first full slate, and I believe Colorado TCU is a week from uh, today. That's a Friday game next week, so we're... We're really on the precipice of exciting times, and uh, recruiting is always exciting, unless you're UCLA right now. Their composite ranking in 24-7 sports uh, recruiting rankings are uh, not great, shall we say. Currently 81st in the country for the class of 2023, and I want your insight here, John, because by all measures, it shouldn't be this hard to recruit at UCLA. You're in Los Angeles now are you historically the second brand to USC yeah but there's so much talent there there's so much excitement around this UCLA program now with, with Chip Kelly at the helm what do you think is going on right now
1: I think it's a combination Spencer look on on the front end yes it it is LA um, it, it is UCLA there, there should be more there, there should be the potential Four more, and I think there's there's still maybe that out there, but you just don't see the tangible buzz being reflected in actual verbal commitments. Uh, I actually looked back this morning; just one new verbal commitment since the Big Ten announcement, which you would think would be, hey, maybe this is another reason to get into the Midwest or get into another area of the country. No, all kids from the Pac-12 footprint are are the ones that are on board, but that number is still just six, and I think that is something that you know it's it's the lowest volume number in the Pac-12 tied with Arizona State, which again, that's its own thing, right? I mean, I think we could all understand now that that is its own unique circumstantial situation, yet they still have six verbal commitments as to where you look at UCLA six and say, oh, it's only six. But if you look at last cycle, they only signed 11 kids out of high school and they brought in 13 players through the portal. So maybe this is the tangible example of the strategy Coming from Chip Kelly at the very, very top. Um, he look. Let's let's also not sugarcoat it. You know, at Oregon, a lot of the conversation was how much does Chip love to recruit. That answer was always, well, he does it because he has to, right? Um, then he goes to the NFL, doesn't have to do it, has some success, and then eventually doesn't. So now he's back at the collegiate level. So I do think that's part of it. But now the portal gives you, you know, some some ease. That margin of error is uh, a lot larger. Uh, you 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 can swing and miss for for big time high school recruits, and if you don't get them, you could bring in college recruits that are older and more experienced. But can you rely on that? That that it's too early in in the portal history logs to actually you know prove one way or the other if you can rely on that. But the answer feels like no. It feels like you can't always do that. Can you do that in spots at certain positions? Yes, but if you're always counting on it, it feels like uh, very 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 much a high risk. And then here's the other thing of these six verbal commitments, your best one by all accounts, Roderick Robinson, he's being pursued by others. And there's a lot of talk about him potentially changing his mind. Remember, That was a big kind of almost surprising win for UCLA early on, right? Oregon was involved, Tennessee, Georgia, Auburn. A lot of schools got involved in that race, truly coast to coast. So that was a big optical win uh, for UCLA, which has recruited that position very, very well uh, over the last several cycles. And Chip Kelly does want to run the ball, for those who don't know. Um, So that makes sense. But now Miami, Texas A&M, other schools – are trying to get or going to get Robinson on campus so that's something that is far uh, from a locked uh, situation so even with those six commitments it doesn't look like a rock solid uh, half dozen there so it is quite interesting and and you certainly wonder again strategically if this is coming from the top because it's like hey let's get some good players but let's really focus on the portal uh, which is always adding players to it And it's
0: not a a caliber of player issue. You look at the recruiting classes from the high school ranks the last couple of years, You've got a good number of four-stars up near the top, and then you got some uh, mid- to high-rated three-star players that, that are committing as well. It's the same thing in 2023 or the class of 2023. They just don't have uh, the numbers there. But you look at the top two headline guys, and you see you know, Roderick Robinson is uh, kind of a low-end four-star. So is Trey Edwards, the linebacker. And then they've got some three-stars. I really like Ty Lee. I saw him at OT7 down in Las Vegas, I think he's a really instinctual player on on the back end. And so it's not that it's just the, the, the volume isn't there. That's why they're so low in, in the rankings. They're currently 10th in the Pac-12 Amazing. in uh, the 2023 uh, recruiting ranks. And they've got six, ASU has six, Cal's just below them with eight, uh, but they don't have any four stars. So UCLA rates just a little bit above them. But I just look at this at, at this program and I say, You're below Washington State, Oregon State, Colorado, and Arizona in recruiting. And you are in Los Angeles, which has got as much talent in your backyard as anywhere in the country. I mean, it's a recruiting mecca. You have schools from all across the country, big-time schools coming to L.A. to recruit. So even if you can't get the top-tier blue-chip guys, there's still a depth of talent and players available. But it does kind of seem to just be the approach because— If you wanted to, this is a question I'll pose to you, John. If you wanted to recruit at a top 20 level, like if that was part of a focus for a staff, which it really just doesn't appear to be for Chip Kelly and company, and you're right, it's never been his reputation. If you wanted to recruit at a top 20 level nationally, do you think that's possible uh, if if you're the head coach of the Bruins?
1: It should be, right? Optically possible, yes. Again, you're going to be the second... School in, in your own city that that much is, you know, signed, sealed and delivered and even more so now with Lincoln Riley in town. But use it to your advantage. Piggyback off of it. uh You've got strong academics. You're in a nicer part of, of town. Let's be honest on that front as well. You've got some things to your advantage. And now this Big Ten situation is another thing you can sell. So again, optically, should you be in that realm? Yeah, but it's just not something we've seen at UCLA. For quite some time, you'd have to go back to Jim Mora uh, or maybe early in, in that tenure to see UCLA competing and winning some some big time battles uh, at the highest level. So we're not really seeing that much anymore. Uh, but again, if if you you signed 11 last year and you're at six as the season starts in 2022, how much of a priority is this for you as a coaching staff? And if that becomes true or even perceptionally true, which is big in recruiting, now the high school coaches are talking about it the parents are talking about it the recruits are certainly aware of it and eventually will be talking about it so uh just just not a whole lot of buzz for UCLA and and it's something that should almost be impossible uh in the current construction of college football um they've they've got the 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 resources they've got i mean i mean gosh the rose bowl i mean they've got so many things that are are no brainers to sell to package they've even got a a fictional show where where they're you know winning these recruiting battles in all-American uh but they're not doing it in real life so it is it is quite fascinating uh, to look at but again maybe that's part of the strategy the strategy is going to be experienced players or, or or nothing at this point um and and there's really not a whole lot of targets ahead of uh UCLA's uh schedule that that look like they're in line to join this class at least not that are obviously apparent uh, in terms of kids that are having uh, decisions here in the next couple of weeks or anything like that. So um, perhaps it's a combination of of that strategy and, and maybe allowing these these senior uh, football players to to maybe play their way into UCLA scholarship offers. Not something you want to rely on either, though, right, because now you're waiting until the last minute to jump in on some of these recruits. So it, it's something that uh, should be impossible. Uh, I I liken it to other states and metro areas where there's a lot of great talent. Um, I look at the state of Alabama. Like Auburn has always been able to recruit. They've always been able to kind of – it's a little bit more niche, but they've always been able to find their guys. And instead of recruiting nationally like Alabama, they go more regionally. They recruit the state. They recruit Georgia. They recruit Florida. So, again, if USC is going to be national, UCLA can go kind of, okay, we'll take – all of California, and then dip down to to Vegas and to Arizona and make that kind of our hub, and that could be something that regionally bodes very well for your roster, and it's something you can always rely on, but we're not seeing that type of strategy coming from Chip Kelly. It it does appear to be portal-heavy, and let's supplement high school recruiting um, where we can, But, but again, even then, the volume is just so low that it's not really a supplement. It's more of a tweak.
0: Yeah, their last top twenty class was the class of 2018, which was before Chip Kelly got there, I believe. Right. I I don't remember the exact timing and how much he was involved with that. But ever since, they've not been able to crack the top twenty. It's just not something that he prioritizes. And he probably welcomed the the new rule with the transfer portal where guys can you know uh, be immediately eligible when, right, it, when he, they leave the school. Right,
1: he's selling LA. He is. They are selling it. They're just not prioritizing selling it right to teenagers. They're doing it more to to the guys right. who are. Could, uh, a little bit of experience
0: because they've got the number eight transfer portal class in the 2022 cycle. And they've got 11 kid. They, they have 11 kids coming in uh, as freshmen this year. Some good looking players, Kamari Ramsey at, at the top. Jack Peterson could be a nice tight end as well, but they've had 13 transfers. So 11 enrollees that, that are freshmen and 13 transfers. That's just the way they're going about it. And I think it is a, an interesting test case how sustainable that is, whether or not you can do that year in and year out, or whether you do have to recruit uh, in more volume at the high school level. There's a Pac-12 school that is approaching recruiting in the exact opposite way because they sort of have to. I'll tell you who it is after I tell you about BetOnline the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball. Go Mariners. I'm usually repping here on the show. Uh, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, eSports, and even my personal favorite, golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information, from live in-game betting to scores and podcasts they have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thanks again for making Locked On Pack 12 your first listen or view if you're watching on YouTube every day. The ultimate college football preview is here. You might even see me on it. It's a seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey College Football insiders to get you ready for the college football season all in one spot. Search for Ultimate College Football Preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. So UCLA is transfer portal heavy, and they're light on the high school recruiting front in terms of sheer numbers. Colorado is the literal, I mean the literal opposite of that, and we've talked about them for the last couple months, uh, sporadically here, and the way that they're going about recruiting, and they lost. Several players of the transfer portal, Jerick Broussard, Brendan Rice, Christian Gonzalez, Mackay Blackman, like guys who are going to be contributors this year. And so it kind of feels, though they have uh, some talent that that is coming in via the portal, that they have to just reload kind of with volume. And in Colorado, it's a hard place to get a high four or five-star guy to uh, commit. It just hasn't been a trend in the recruiting history uh, of the Buffaloes up there. But, John, they're up to 17 commits now in the class of 2023, all three stars, which is kind of what you'd expect out there, a little bit more of a uh, recruit some three stars, find some gems, and develop uh, usually that sort of, of program. I think Utah kind of falls in that category as well. But what do you make of Colorado and what Carl Durrell is doing after losing players to the portal, a 4-8 and eight season that was seen as a little bit of a disappointment after a 4-2 two 2020 year? What What do you make of where, where they're out on the recruiting trail?
1: It's so fascinating. It is... It is expected in terms of, like you said, mid-level recruits uh, who, who have to be developed and you have to bring them along, right? But that's something as a coaching staff that you hang your hat on. You say, yes, we can develop them. And I think there's a group of programs that are known for that and they're stable and successful. You mentioned Utah. That's probably the best example in the country. I'd throw Iowa. I'd throw Wisconsin. I'd throw Iowa State. Uh, in that boat. I think Baylor's kind of one of those beginning to be one of those programs as well. But you can win like that. Kentucky and the SEC is another great example. You can win and be stable like that. But what's fascinating about how Colorado's doing it is because only two of those kids of the 17 are from Colorado. 15 recruits on board right now from other places, including seven from Texas. They just got their second from the state of Florida, uh, you know, from the same area. In the state of Florida. I actually really like uh that that August edition and, and Jamari Holloman from Miami, Norland, which is uh one of the better schools uh, in the Dade County area, safety corner, hybrid place corner, but probably looks like b- a bit more of a safety ball hawk instinctive type kid. Um, they're doing it in in non-conventional Colorado areas. I, I couldn't tell you the last time in South Florida down here, we heard buzz about Colorado. Hey, yeah, I'm really liking the Buffaloes. I took a visit out there. And now I'm, I'm about to be on board. So when you're identifying gems and you're getting them to visit, which is really key for, for schools like Colorado that have to go outside of their natural footprint because you want them to take trips on the school's dime. And now the recruiting calendar allows you to do that. So in June and in the spring, you can fly these Floridians out, fly these Texans up to Colorado and actually give them a true presentation and look at one of the you know more unique looking campuses and areas of the country so now you you're in the ball game a little bit more for these recruits so fascinating to see it come together obviously now that the season is here You have to follow that up. You got to kind of back up some of the stuff that you've been selling, which is a lot harder to do relative to the offseason where everyone's undefeated and everyone's hopeful and optimistic. So it will be interesting to track these 17 verbal commitments and see um, if one other school start to jump in and say, hey, this was a pretty nice evaluation. Let's go try to flip him or uh secondarily if if colorado struggles on the field how that affects this group especially considering how national the approach has been these kids aren't you know born and bred buff fans they are they are are created right through the recruiting process so there's no additional and external or, or sentimental loyalty to the buff. So you, you wonder if if things go south, how that works with, with the, the group of commitments that they have. Again, seven from Texas, just a unique, interesting number going back uh to, to the Big 12 footprint that they used to uh reside within. So interesting, um certainly uh great to see, unexpected in all the right ways. Uh, but now you track them as the season begins and it could get uh even more interesting.
0: Their recruiting class in the 2023 cycle currently sits 45th uh, nationally at the high school rank and overall when you factor in the transfer portal, which is uh, not quite a, as busy for them uh, at, at this point in time. In fact, no uh, expected incoming transfers, but you, you figure that that'll come later in, uh, in the recruiting cycle typically. But when I think of Colorado and you know, what they can do from a recruiting standpoint, I think sitting inside the top 50, that's a pretty. I, I feel like that's a good place for them to yeah. be. Could they get inside the top 40 if they do well? Yes, but I think if Colorado gets down, you can see them fall to where UCLA is right now, which is the 70s and 80s, and you know, God forbid the the 90s or ASU. I think is <laughs> falling into the hundreds or whatnot. But Colorado being inside the top 50, however they get there, to me that feels like that's that's a good looking recruiting cycle right now. And credit to Carl Durrell for for moving that boat along in that direction because it's not something you expect after a four and eight season.
1: Yeah. And like you said, volume is the play here. You're not going to hit on all these guys, but if you can hit on a couple early develop the rest, Yeah, you've got a chance to build something relatively sustainable. And that's really all you're looking for uh, at that, at that post right now uh, because it is an uphill battle uh, outside of that uh, COVID season where they obviously played, Uh, for a Pac-12 title in that condensed year. Other than that, it's a bit of an uphill battle. Uh, So this is the way to supplement uh, what you're doing on the field in in that same light. So yeah, I like what they're doing. The third most verbal commitments in the Pac-12, that's a great place to be for Colorado. Uh, You've got your quarterback from California, which is always good optically. And that's another state you're going to have to rely on for commitments coming from there uh, to date so far. So I, I think the formula... Is right here for Colorado, but again, now it's about maintenance and retention as the season begins. Uh, so that will be fascinating to track. But the off season, from a recruiting standpoint, went about as well as you could have realistically hoped for from the Colorado standpoint.
0: Yeah, Washington leads the way right now with nineteen commits in the class of twenty twenty three. They we talked about that a, a few weeks ago.
1: Yeah, it out was of nowhere. It was,
0: it was so quiet. It was like, oh, okay. And, and I mean, I, I wasn't coming on here and saying, oh, this is not a good sign. They're not recruiting. Like, nah, no, it's early. Give it some time. And then June happened. Ju- June and some July, but especially June. That, that thing really took off. They're at 19. Arizona is at 18. Jed Fish continues to impress on uh, the recruiting front. Let's switch gears and talk about some individual players and one guy we've been following uh pretty heavily here on the show because he's a highly sought after recruit in the class of 2023 five-star edge prospect mateo uyangalale younger brother of clemson quarterback dj from st john bosco and it's a very prestigious high school from a football standpoint and he is a very prestigious and highly sought after recruit and the pac-12 schools in play here are oregon and usc has he given in any, any indication as far as a, a timeline for his commitment? And have there been any shifts behind the scenes with regards to where he could be leaning?
1: Yeah, he's still got this top five uh, where Ohio State and Clemson supplement uh, USC, Oregon, uh, and, and um, I believe Alabama. But yeah, there's really no tangible update, which tells you. He's going to set in-season visits. You know, he's a well-traveled kid already. He's already visited all of these schools, and and most of them multiple times on his own dime. But he's going to take in some games for sure. Uh, But there's nothing planned. I was in touch with his father uh, just yesterday uh, because he was on a plane. And I was like, are you guys going on a visit? I didn't know. And they're just playing a high school game in Texas because it's Bosco. It's St. John Bosco. That is what they do. They play a national schedule. They're the number one team in the country from a high school standpoint right now uh, on the SP live power 25. So they got to go play national competition to kind of back that up before they get into Trinity league play. And he said, that's where the focus is. The focus is on the the Bosco Braves right now. But of course, you know, he's going to get to USC uh, right down the road. Oregon will get him on campus again. Uh, You would imagine Ohio state would as well. I think Clemson and Alabama have faded just a little bit, just in his top five. But again, there's no inclination that he's close to a verbal commitment, so that leaves room for more movement w- within the five. So right now we feel like the 2 pac 12 schools on Ohio State are in the best shape, and the other schools are maybe just outside of that bubble, but there, there's several months in between now and, and when a, a verbal commitment is expected to be made, so changes can happen. There's, there's interesting, though, but there's a lot of great DNs available. Keon Keely, the number one pass rusher, just decommitted from Notre Dame. He'll be at Ohio State for that opener against Notre Dame. Ironically enough, you have Mateo as one of the top uh, edge rushers in the country. He's looking at Ohio State and some of these same schools. Damon Wilson will be at Ohio State, uh, the, the next best edge rusher for that, uh, that opener against Notre Dame. So you wonder if how much of this is in Ohio State's court relative to some of the other schools, because they're the ones that are overlapping with all these elite pass rushers. And while Larry Johnson is one of the best D-line coaches in the country, you can't get them all. So you wonder how much those timelines begin to impact where, where some of these other schools are looking. And, and ditto for Oregon, right? You're in it for Mateo. You're in it for David Hicks down in Texas. You're in it for uh, Samuel Mpemba down at IMG Academy. You know, So same kind of deal. You're in it for a lot of elite pass rushers, so you just wonder how – those decisions affect the board. So there's some dominoes at that position, which is really the most impressive position in the country in this cycle. So it's not a huge surprise to see big names like Mateo and some of these others still on the board as the season begins.
0: One guy who is on the board once again is 2023 four-star defensive lineman Caleb Bryant, who had been committed to the Utes. He decommits from Utah. Uh, What did you see uh, transpire there? And are there other Pac-12s? Pac-12 schools that might be in the mix and could Utah ultimately get him to recommit?
1: Yeah, Utah's still in this. I think um usually when it's a cross-country kid and, and look Caleb is from Vicksburg, Mississippi, so it doesn't get much more cross-country than that. Usually when there's a decommitment, it's like, "Oh, okay, he's moving on from that school. He's going to go play in SEC country," and that's that's kind of it. But that's not the case here. You know, he he took the visit in the summer, fell in love, committed, and then a lot of schools were like, "Wait, we didn't expect that," and they they've continued to recruit him, including some others in the Pac-12, as you mentioned. You know, Oregon and USC are certainly you know chief among those schools. Uh, but Caleb has said Utah is is still in it. Uh, he's going to also try to focus on his high school season as well, in addition to trying to set up some other visits. Uh, So it does feel like there's a long way to go uh, ahead of any final decisions. Because again, you took the trip and you loved it. So that meant you you didn't take a bunch of officials. So you've got a lot of room to take more trips on the school's dimes. You pair them up with big uh, game weekends or opponents that are coming to town and you get that full experience. Uh, So I think in a lot of ways, this feels like a total reset of his recruitment because of course those closer to home are also on him right mississippi mississippi state uh which had some buzz in the spring for his verbal commitment there in the ball game miami is trying to get involved here as well so this is a, a truly reset recruitment but caleb did say that it really was nothing that utah did that led into this decommitment it was just about resetting the process because he felt like he committed too early just took the one official visit popped and that was kind of it. And and as time has gone on and, and as other schools have continued to reach out, he thought that that he popped a little bit too early. So uh, it's something we see every single cycle, particularly in the summer. Uh, and then you get into that long dead period in August and, and all of a sudden you, you can't take visits. So now you really start to overthink it and really dig into it. And, and a lot of times the result is, hey, Maybe I did something too early, so let's take a step back and and go through this process again. So Utah's still in the conversation, but they already used, of course, their official visit. So it does appear as if other schools are going to, at least from a visit perspective, have more of a chance to to change Caleb's mind and eventually land his commitment. But an interesting pass rusher, 6'4", 250 out of Vicksburg, uh, who's who's really lives behind the line of scrimmage. So uh, he'll have no shortage of options going forward. And of course, you can't rule out other schools starting to get involved as, as they look uh, to solidify the future of their pass rush, which is something you always got to keep an eye on in, in today's game.
0: Lastly, John, there are currently four five-stars committed to the Pac-12 in the 2023 cycle, two to USC and two to Oregon, and there have been rumblings from time to time about uh, really all of them except for maybe uh, Dante Moore. I haven't heard a ton on, on that front in terms of interest from other schools, but I saw something the other day from someone who covers the local recruiting scene in the state of Oregon that the recruitment of uh, five-star wide receiver on Dickey, who elevated himself to that label in in the last couple months something you expected to happen and sure enough it did and he's got uh some some really really elite physical traits Oregon's had him committed for a while now and he was in Miami and was he visiting was he not visit like it was you know was he fishing was he visiting with the mayor like wh- that was a little bit uh, murky <laughs> on, on that front but seems like the rumblings about him just won't won't go away and and who who exactly is coming after jury on Dickey and what will Oregon have to do to keep him committed?
1: There's a lot going on here. I think that's that much is, is safe to say publicly. There's more. I wish I could. Um, But yeah, there's a lot going on. Uh, he's changing high schools. There was talk he was going to IMG and he visits Miami and there's just a lot going on here with, with Dickey. Uh, and again, the talent reflects that too, right? So naturally when you elevate and and kind of increase your recruiting profile, other schools are going to see reports like this and say, hey, do we have a chance to? And, you know, you expect uh, some schools across the country to be able to do so, especially when, again, there is this perception that he's mobile, that, that he will go anywhere in the country if if everything lines up, despite that Oregon Duck verbal commitment. Uh, that said, you know, he is close with Dante Moore and it appears all things even He's going to stick with the Ducks. But, you know, at a minimum, Miami is a legitimate threat. Again, he hasn't used the official visit down there, but he's already visited twice, kind of with his family, off the record, whatever it is. So, you know, Miami's going to try to stay involved, and you just wonder who else starts to get involved as Texas A&M and Georgia and schools that really need help at wide receiver – do they start to to give him a call and, and truly make him think about the process? Again, another kid with a lot of official visits that he could potentially take. Um, California is one of the states that allows NIL deals. You, you really you can't overlook something like that uh, being a part of the process as well, uh, even with him being verbally committed. So there's just really a lot at play for Jerry on Dickey. And, and yeah, I think in, a, in, in one sense it feels like it's very, very far from over here so something that duck fans unfortunately for them are going to have to worry about all the way through but as it currently stands again He was probably going to oregon under crystal ball or landing so that box was checked you needed to pair him with an elite quarterback and you got the number one in the country on sports illustrated so that box is is checked in sharpie so now it's just about retention you know so depending on the pitch and depending on how those are presented as well as some external factors you do feel good all things even about him potentially sticking with the ducks but you know it's the end of august so December feels like a long ways away before you could lock this thing in with a national letter of intent, uh, NLI, as opposed to NIL, uh, and that's when you'll feel good. So unfortunately for Duck fans, you're just going to have to keep this on the back burner. Uh, Stay off social media. Don't search Jerry on Dickey because you're probably (laughs) going to see more teams associated with that name, especially as some of these other elite receivers come off the board. We just talked about it at defensive end. We're going to see that at receiver as well. Tyler Williams uh, is coming off the board. Hakeem Williams is coming off the board. Jalen Hale, all SI 99 recruits that are big receivers, similar at least in athletic profile to Jerry on Dickey. So, some of the schools that miss on these recruits Georgia, AM, Miami, uh, Clemson, some of the schools that miss on those guys, Texas, Texas, AM as well. LSU, another one. They, they start missing, they start calling. You know, that's how the game goes. And, and if people know or think even that Dickey is open, they're going to make a call out to Northern California. So just uh, strap in a little bit if you're a Duck fan and, and enjoy that ride. But again, all things even, you feel good about the combination of the school that he's been attached to the most. Uh, The offense coordinator, Kenny Dillingham, certainly the quarterback, Dante Moore, all those things optically are still very, very strong for any other program to try to match. So it'd have to be somewhere in the margins and or with visits that pulls him off of that duck pledge. But certainly something we would expect to keep pretty close tabs on
0: a little bit of an uncertain future, but we are certain we'll keep bringing on John Garcia, Jr., the director of recruiting for Sports Illustrated. Good to talk to you as always, my friend.
1: Likewise, Spencer, take care.
0: I appreciate everyone listening. See you next time and have a wonderful rest of your day.